Genesis 45, beginning at verse 1. This comes at the end of a huge story, an epic story of the Bible, where Joseph has been betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, and now it's Joseph who God has raised up, and it's his brothers who are coming to him, seeking food from governor of Egypt, who he now is. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Make everyone leave my presence. So there, is, there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold to, into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will not be ploughing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, This is what your son Joseph said. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have. I will provide for you there, because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it really is I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honour accorded to me in Egypt, and about everything that you have seen. And bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin embraced him, weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterwards his brothers talked with him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And for our gospel reading, it's taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, verses 5 through to 20, and can be found on page 985 of our Pew Bibles. They're called Pew Bibles now. Aren't they? <laughs> 
Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 through to 20. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew. Glory, Glory to you, you O Lord. Lord. This is the gospel of the. Oh, sorry, I went ahead of myself there. <laughs> okay, so Jesus has gathered his 12 together. These 12 Jesus sends out with the following instructions Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or a staff. For workers are worth their keep. Whatever town or village you enter... Search for some worthy person there, and stay at that house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave, that home or town. I tell you the truth. It will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard against other people. They will hand you over to the local councils and flog you in their synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ, King of eternal glory. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Amen. Please be seated. Okay. So, just a a little bit of background. Um, Jacob and Rachel's son Joseph had ten half-brothers, one full brother and at least one half-sister. And Joseph was Daddy's favourite, as expressed through a a long, ornate cloak that he gave him. And his brothers hated him for that. And things were made worse when Joseph started sharing these dreams he was having of, of his brothers and his parents bowing down to him. And this just served to fuel their hatred for him. So rather than calling a family meeting and discussing it around a table and talking about their feelings and working through it, they plotted to kill him. But um, Judah actually saw a way of making some money out of their brother. So instead of killing him, he decided that they should sell him into slavery. Now, it's not a great example of brotherly love. 
And families can be very complicated, can't they? And I'm sure that most of us have had struggles from time to time within our own families. But, but perhaps they don't seem quite so bad when we consider the complexities of, Joseph, of Jacob's clan. So Joseph's brothers sold him into uh, this caravan of Ishmaelites who took him down to Egypt. Um, and they sold him there to Pharaoh, to um, Potiphar who was a good man, he was one of the Pharaoh's officials, and he could see that God was blessing Joseph. He could see that God was at work in Joseph's life, as you know, everything that Joseph was doing, was, everything he was doing in, in his work was uh, sort of producing good things. So he decided to make him his attendant, and he put him in charge of his household, in charge of everything that he owned. But Potiphar's wife... Um, she took a liking to Joseph and she wanted to sleep with him and Joseph refused and so she falsely accused him of rape and had him thrown into prison. Now, God was still with Joseph. God is still working his purposes through Joseph and he granted him favour in the eyes of the prison warden and the prison warden made Joseph in charge of all the prisoners in the prison. So you've got this real kind of up and down in Joseph's life. So he's loved by his dad, but he's hated by his brothers, and they throw him into slavery. Um, but you know, he goes to Potiphar, who's a good man, and he's put in charge of the, the household. And then, then his wife puts him into prison, but then the prison guard uh, finds favour with him and, and gives him the role of looking after all the prisoners or being in charge of all the prisoners. So it's a real up and down, it's a real kind of soap opera thing going on there. <laughs> Now, Joseph does a little dream interpretation within prison, and um, Pharaoh calls Joseph to come and interpret his dreams, dreams that have been bothering him for a while. And Joseph explains his dreams. He explains that God is showing him that there is going to be seven years of abundance and you know, fruitfulness in the land of Egypt, followed by seven years of famine. And Joseph is explaining to Pharaoh that you know, he needs to appoint commissioners to, um, har- to um, con- harvest and store up during the time of abundance and then be able to distribute in time of famine. And Pharaoh is so impressed with Joseph that it's, it's almost like a sign, it's almost like a scene from the prodigal son where he takes off his signet ring and he puts it on his finger and he puts a long cloak on him, gives him a gold chain and he makes him second in command in Egypt. And so Joseph's only 30 years old when this happens. So here we arrive in chapter 45 of Genesis and we're in the time of famine. And, but under Joseph's leadership, you Egypt, Egypt's in a good place because they'd stored up and they're not having problems. There's plenty of food to be shared. However, Jacob and his family, back in the land of Canaan, they're also suffering under this famine. And Jacob sends his sons to Egypt to, to find food. And so these men, these brothers of Joseph, who had been outraged by Joseph's dreams of them bowing down before him, were now bowing down before him although they didn't recognise him. They didn't realise it was Joseph because when Joseph had been um, sold into slavery, he was just 17 years old. And at this time, by now, he's 39. And they would assume that he's still a slave somewhere or perhaps dead. 
But then Joseph reveals who he is to his brothers. Now, this encounter could have gone either way. I mean, was this Joseph's opportunity for revenge? We talk about soap operas. Where would they be without the concept of revenge? You know, or it could, you could actually call it um, justice. Maybe, you know, it's Joseph's opportunity for justice. And the, the brothers are absolutely terrified, so terrified they cannot speak. They are so filled with guilt and fear. But Joseph is not seeking revenge. He is overwhelmed with joy to see his brothers. And he says, come close. I am your brother. He understands that they are frightened and bewildered and confused. And so he says, not once but three times, God sent me, in verse 5. God sent me, in verse 7. It was not you who sent me here, but God, in verse 8. Joseph's not naive. He knows the sin which had flared up in his brother's wicked deed. But he chooses to love and he chooses to forgive. And he has that wisdom to know, as as Paul says to the Romans a couple of thousand years later, that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So instead of a bloody, horrible scene of revenge, there is weeping for joy. There is hugging. There is kissing and celebration. Joseph gives his family this land in Goshen, Goshen, a region in the eastern part of the Nile Delta, which even to this day remains a very fertile place. And if we'd read on in chapter 45, we would have found that even Pharaoh, when the news had reached the the palace, even Pharaoh and all his officials joined in in the party and they sent really generous gifts to Joseph and his family. The writer to the Hebrews in chapter 3 says, Holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. We are his house. If indeed we hold firmly that perseverance, that hallmark of God's children, if we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. So this promise is not for all people, but for those of us whom, like Joseph, look to God, love God, persevere and trust him with our plans. For us, God will ensure that all things work out for our good. It's particularly vital when you've got people in your life who are plotting to kill you and selling you into slavery and sending you off to prison. But actually, for all of us, at the very least, that's very reassuring, isn't it? Now, it doesn't mean that God is causing bad things to happen in our lives. He is not the author of evil. But we can make poor decisions that lead to bad things happening in our lives. For Joseph, perhaps it wasn't a great idea to be gloating about his dreams to his brothers. Perhaps that wasn't so wise in hindsight. And others can make bad decisions that can affect our lives, and we just become the innocent victims. So for Joseph, that would have been his brothers selling him into slavery, or Potiphar's wife sending him to prison. And of course, Adam and Eve made a bad decision, which resulted in death and disease and a whole bunch of problems, which will affect us. But if we keep our eyes fixed on God, 
If we love him, if we hand it all over to him, persevering, trusting in him, no matter how dark or painful or shameful a situation, God can use it for our good and bring him glory. In Paul's first letter to Timothy, God says that he wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And as we were reading there in Matthew 10, as Jesus calls his 12, he then sends them out with a message. Go and speak to everybody, share this message and um, you know, heal people. You know, there's, a, there's a hope there that people will come to, to faith. But it doesn't always go well, does it? He says, you know, when you were arrested, when you were flogged, you know, and to shake the dust off your feet if you're not welcomed. People choose to reject. But as far as the bigger, eternal picture is concerned, God's purposes will prevail, and he will work for the good of those who love him. <clears throat> so maybe even this Lent we could be considering, if there is a situation in our life right now where we're not quite seeing how God is working for the good, perhaps this is a time to actually... Pray that prayer and ask him, God, reveal to me, show me, help me to trust in you that you are working for my good. And you know, maybe, maybe there's something in particular which is blocking us from doing that. Perhaps we need to pray into that as well, how we can see that God is still working his purposes through and that they will come to a better place, even if we can't see it at this time. I just want to finish by reading um, Psalm 34, words of David. Because in this psalm it talks about People going through troubles, people being afflicted, people being heartbroken and crushed in spirit. But that God is still there. God is there for people, working through, working out his purposes for them. I'll just read this this psalm. Maybe if you want to close your eyes and just consider what's going on in, in your lives right now. David writes, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever among you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. (coughs) The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from them all. He protects all their bones and not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. 
No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. Father God, we just want to thank you that we can just trust in you. We can trust all our plans, everything, in your hands. That you will make sure that all things work out for the good. That you will see that your purposes are worked out if we just keep our eyes fixed on you. Lord, I thank you that 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 reassurance we have from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.